If you're looking for a little bit of fun, congratulations. You have found Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. An opportunity to talk about all things related to the Harley Quinn show episode by episode. However, it's time for a brief disclaimer. Should you be listening to this show, but you are not either A, old enough, or B, allowed to watch Harley Quinn for whatever reason, guess what? This show is also off limits to you. If you would like some great PG fare, please check out the weekly DC Comics News Podcast. I am The Knight, hosted by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray, The Spinner Rack, any of our other offerings. But this show simply is for you, not for you. <laughs> and we have plenty of other great shows for you. So I'm going to ask you to please, if you're not able or ready or allowed, go ahead and turn this episode off. We're going to start having... An adult conversation. Thanks for the understanding. Thanks for that brief disclaimer. Thanks for being with us. This is, again, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. I am your host, Seth Singleton. We're here to talk about episode number nine, A Seat at the Table. Thankfully, I'm not doing this alone because listening to me drone, drone, drone might get really uncomfortable. So I'm joined with an amazing cast. You might recognize some of their voices. If this is your first time, get ready because have I got a crew for you first off the uh future host of felicky fashions mr brad felicky himself how you doing today brad hey i'm good i'm good <laughs> hope you guys are doing well <laughs> oh man well the best part is we never have to worry about having you know a dirty mouth on this show and sometimes i save it all up just for this kendra how about you you saving up some dirty talk for today I don't know. I think I'm more jonesing for a Razzie Zazzy, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we can get some dirty talk down there. Razzie Zazzy. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. Let's 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 go ahead and hey, keep your ears perked. It's coming. Mr. Steve J. Ray. How are you today, sir? Ready to blow shit up. <laughs> and, and really, that right there is one of the many reasons why Steve is a brother and my motherfucker. So, you know, yeah, when we're going to get right down to it, <laughs> do you ever want to be joined by a more dangerous group of people? Well, I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind hanging out with Harley Quinn and her crew on some of their adventures. And this one sees them now fully immersed in the Legion of Doom and it's got some of the things you might recognize. The first thing that caught my attention was the HR video right at the introduction. Congratulations, you're doomed. And I had to chuckle to myself and remember the many, oh, the many HR videos that I've had to sit through. I'll say that in no situation have I ever experienced one hosted by Lex Luthor or featuring the, well specific details this one had brad what was your take on this hr video and i'm curious have you ever had a good bad or special hr experience (laughs) i think the only hr video that i've ever had to sit through was back when i was in high school uh when i worked at kfc only worked there for about a month but i think they did show us this like little video um, about how to <laughs> how to make sure that you know what to do if you get robbed, 
and how to um, identify people who are possibly staking out the store to rob it. That I is not encouraging at all. No, it was not. <laughs> it definitely was not. But that always kind of stuck with me all these years later. But um, yeah, I think that's the only one that I had to sit through. As far as this video goes, I think my favorite part was just the altercation between Black Manta and Dr. Psycho. Because it's funny because I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I wonder what that was all about. And then like two seconds later, Dr. Psycho gets asked, what did, what happened? And he, he said, well, what did you what did you say to him? Well, nothing racist. All right. Because we believe that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. So that's what stuck out to me about that video the most. <laughs> Kendra? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat because you just... You watch Lux come out of, you know, just going through the paces of this video, and then out of nowhere, here's Manta in the background with Dr. Psycho, and he just throws him into the wall. Um, but I think mine, the only thing that I've ever had when it comes to an HR video like this was when, I, like with Brad, it was one of my first jobs at Subway, and they had no room for us to go in to actually watch the video, so they had to haul this old-school, like, boob tube box <laughs> out onto the table at Subway just so that we could watch this lovely VC or yeah, the, the VCR tape for the I'm getting high school flashbacks, <laughs> right? Like just wheel it in, but no, they had to carry the TV. And I was like, all right, this is how we're, <laughs> this is how we're going to do the introduction to Subway. Wonderful. Says, what, or Steve, what about you? Have you ever had any fun HR moments? I'm so old that, video with Lex basically reminded me of almost every induction I've had for every job I've ever been for from McDonald's. What is it with the fast food industry industry and uh, Dark Knight News and DC Comics news writers? <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah, um, yes, for every single one. But obviously, in more recent years, it's been sat down on a computer with a pair of headphones and uh, depending on internet connectivity, waiting for it to load. But uh, yeah, fond memories. And the way they got that old VHS thing um, is just great. Loved it. And good old Lex, smooth. He, he's actually could almost give Seth the run for his money with his smoothness. But um, oh, God. <laughs> Poor old Bane standing there waiting to perform his magic tricks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, loved it. It was very, very um, – it was a trip back to the uh, to the 80s. Oh, where's my DeLorean? What about you, sir? <laughs> oh, if we could all time travel in such style, wouldn't it be cool? Um, I would certainly play Huey Lewis uh, back in time. I would just do that in my DeLorean that would happen. I, I, this was a blast. This was a huge sort of throwback to, oh God, every retail part-time job. I had to, you know, work to put myself through college. Uh, every time that you need that filler job, however it worked out that you went to a company and you're like, so my first day is really just watching these videos and signing a bunch of paperwork. That's awesome. I, I love this. No, I fucking hate it. Um, and that was that great memory flashback with this video. I, I loved how, you know, Lexus, you know, oh, I didn't see you there. Hi. <laughs> yeah. And rolls right into his great. And the fact that he doesn't get interrupted by Psycho and Manta. Like, one, you realize, like, wow, Psycho was around for a while before they got rid of him. And, uh, and two, 
nothing throws him off. Manta, you know, having a conversation with Luther and then turning around and immediately throwing uh, Psycho into a wall, like, doesn't break a beat. Smooth as, you know, silk. And uh, for me, it was just sort of that great sort of, you know, toss back. And uh, it reminded me also of some friends who worked at Wendy's. And apparently when they were working there, they told us that the Wendy's video features Wendy with like the pigtails, like that stick out all the way from the side, kind of like Pippi Longstocking and had all these weird, you know, comedic things to it. And I just laughed to myself when I was watching this. Just I was kind of secretly hoping something weird like that would happen. Psycho and Manta was close enough for me. And uh, if that's not enough to make you check out this show, trust me, more is to follow. As Steve pointed out. We follow up the HR video experience with a welcome party. You know, we've got the banner for Harley. We've got the Joker speech. And unfortunately, we simply don't have enough time for Bane and his magic trick. Now, I, yeah, exactly. I wondered about Bane and I wondered what it would be like for the rest of us. So, one, what was your overall impression of this scene, the Joker speech and all? But two, if you were Bane, what would be your grand finale the piece de resistance the the moment when people are like wow dude this is what we were waiting for he either blows it or it's amazing what would be your bane you know magic finale brad i'll start with you asking me that question i'm getting flashbacks of david copperfield making the statue of liberty disappear right (laughs) so i would say that he would have to be making the Legion of Doom headquarters disappear. And can I just say, and I might be jumping a little bit ahead on this in the episode, but it is related to his magic trick. I think my favorite use of the word fuck in the entire series was when he goes up to Harley with the three of our two cars. He goes, no, he just says fuck and walks away. It's <laughs> Yeah, even George Carlin would be proud of that usage of fuck, right? <laughs> like, wow, that kid really nailed an original one. Right, nice. right, right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Any other impressions on that one uh, as far as the episode? Uh, before You we know, should... I, I, I liked him in his little hat, and I felt bad for him. I wanted the trick to work. Oh, <laughs> little hat. Yeah. Kendra, how about you? I don't know how Bane's still part of the Legion of Doom. He's so freaking adorable. I just, <laughs> they're so mean to him. I'm, he needs a flesh toy. Like, I, that's the biggest impression for this one. They're so mean to Bane. Like, he was so proud and excited to try out his magician tricks. And Lex is just like, yeah, we don't have time for that. <laughs> it's so sad. But I mean, <laughs> I'm waiting on Bane. That's that's what I want. I want Bane to leave the Legion of Doom. Aww. But, Right on. No faulty uh-huh. chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to agree with Brad. I literally, I mean, that was, I agree. That's probably my favorite use of the word fuck is when Bane uses it. <laughs> Steve, what about you? I think that Bane would definitely make something disappear. I don't know about the Legion of Doom headquarters because he, he loves it, but maybe uh, GCPD, he'd put a big Bane blanket over it, and then you'd hear explosions because all he really did was blow the fucker up <laughs> behind the curtain. Said, oh, look, it's gone. <laughs> he would explode it. 
exploded. <laughs> Absolutely. That that is what I think they're doing. But like I said, the hat. Um, does, did Zatanna know he borrowed that without permission? Because that's kind of <laughs> wrong. But then I just get these horrible, terrifying <laughs> scenes of him in Zatanna's fishnets as well. And then I thought, no, get away from that train of thoughts as fast as you can. But bless him. Like you said, he's so lovable. I just want to hug him. He'll probably break my back. He's good at that. <laughs> what about you, Seth? Man, I was happy opening my mouth to say something, and you said that, and I'm like, nope, choking on my words. This is great. Intro into conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think if I was Bane, I would actually um, kind of lead up to uh, – my grand finale by exploding everything saw the person in half blow them up um pull a dove out of my hat or a rabbit blow it up um and then for the grand finale i would i would make stuff disappear like the legion of doom but then in the background you'd hear like this explosion i'd be like ah (laughs) you know still blew something up ah um and and also just because i i think overall like you can't take that away from Bane. He's just so cuddly that it's almost like taking a favorite toy away from a child. You can do it, but then there's the sad puppy dog guys. And then there's the why. And then there's just everything that goes with it. And I, I, I'm I'm sold, Kendra. I'd pretty much just give him a big hug. Steve, yes, he would probably break my back. And then at the end of it, I would think to myself, he's such a sweet boy. I hope he finds someone nice in this life. You know, you just... <laughs> Okay, maybe and I'm not alone nice on that. Explosives. <laughs> right. Explosives. Oh, the more we will have on that. Uh, Brad, I also have to agree with you. His magic trick scene with Harley and the usage of the word fuck was, was just so goddamn precious. Um, and everything leading up to it, uh, Clayface's comparison of the Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Angelina Jolie <laughs> thing was just kind of ridiculous um the fact that harley has to point out that they blew out three electric shock machines trying to get her or get through to her was a detail that i feel like you know just builds on her personality before we shift to a really fun coffee scene any thoughts on either of those two things i brought up before we move into that well awkward friend conversation brad quick thoughts from you shift gears uh, you know, I don't know. I think we can move to Kendra. I, uh, I'm, you know, I want to move on to the episode. Kendra, what do you think? I'm also on board. Move on with the episode. <laughs> Steve? <laughs> How many machines? Shocking. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is appropriate because the scene with Harley and Ivy, things have been a little weird. They they go to have coffee and and this is a good follow-up. You know, you ever have that situation where you and a friend were working at a place or one of you ends up working at a place, the other one either did or didn't want to work at it. It kind of creates a division in your friendship. I'm curious if anybody felt that ever happen in their experience because the time uh, that we see with these two, it, it, it gets a little intense. And actually, Ivy says one of my favorite lines, which I'm not going to steal from somebody else who might want to quote it first, but warning – if you don't say it before it comes back around to me, I'm going to get to say this line. And it's going to be pretty fucking beautiful. So, look, this is your moment. Brad, what did you think about the scene overall? And have you ever had one of those awkward coffee work sort of scenarios where things change with you and somebody else because of somebody getting a job? 
I I don't think I ever have come to think of it. No, I think you lucky maybe bastard. that maybe that makes me lucky because it seems like that's something that could happen. Um, but no, I, I don't think I ever have. And I think this the conversation. This is one of those things. Like I think I mentioned, maybe it was last week, but that that theme of getting what you want and realizing that you don't necessarily want it or at least that the sacrifice may be too much to have what you thought you had wanted uh we're getting a little bit of taste of that um and i think that as we will see harley's realizing the importance of ivy's friendship uh kendra what do you think I gotta fully agree with that. I mean, it's it's super awkward between the two of them in this coffee shop. I mean, Ivy's obviously not moved on. She's kind of pulling herself back and and waiting on Harley to make the next you know the next move forward. But there's a little bit of a of a of a compromise between the two when Ivy brings up what she's wanting to do and Harley's just sitting there like, I know you want to blow something up, so let me help you blow something. Up. <laughs> I can be your That's, friend in this way. I can be your friend. Right. Like, this is this is how friendships are, are, are renewed, you know? We go blow stuff up. But, I mean, it, it is. It's super awkward. And, and I agree with you, Brad. This is definitely a moment where you see, like, how important this is. And the be careful what you wish for is fully in effect. Steve, what did you think? I've been on both sides of the chair where someone's been promoted above me or I've been promoted above someone else. And it is really horrible, particularly when you're really close to that person. And but what I loved about this and um, this is something Ivy and I share is the complete don't give flying a flying fuck about this situation that the heart that Ivy's got. She's like saying, listen, you do not want to be here. And the longer the episode goes on, the more Harley realizes, well, actually, damn, she might actually be right. I should be out there with her blowing shit up. And it's just so weird because, you know, and you can feel it, even though you can't see these actors. All you see is these two dimensional drawings of the characters they're playing. You can really feel the emotion and, and actual love between the two of them. But they're both so embroiled in their own shit that they can't see it themselves and it's just brilliant and throughout the whole episode i just keep waiting for the other shoe to drop for for joker to be joker for for, for harley to realize that she's completely going down the wrong path and and for everything else it's just it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant loved it what about you seth this is one of those great scenes, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I don't know why nobody else swung at this, but the moment that made it for me is when Harley's talking about the Legion of Doom, and Ivy responds with, yeah, fuck that place in the ass, which to me was just probably <laughs> one of – and I was like, come I on. I someone's got to you, brother. You, you are a fucking gentleman, because I was like, you guys, seriously, that's got to be one of the best lines in the opening minutes. Like, it was just so clutch, and I, I love that it's – well, as they say later on, very on brand for Ivy, like very, very on brand. And <laughs> um, and, and the way that Harley interprets it with like, so you want to destroy the planet pavers place. I'll, I'll smash what you need smash. And I can do that. Like Kendra says, this is her way of understanding the friendship thing. But man, when it comes to the work thing, like 
uh, I've had it where I was at a place for like seven months and I got promoted over a friend who had recommended me for a job there. Uh, and I've also had it where uh, I worked at a circuit city, which thankfully is now defunct. So I feel a little safer about some of this, the shit I can say. But <laughs> I got in there through a buddy of mine. It was a perfect warehouse schedule because I was going to school and playing soccer and like crazy life. And then later, that same friend got another buddy in. And whereas I had a good rep, my friend was a delivery driver and he crashed more of those trucks. And like the more I would hear about it, I'd be like, my God. Like, what is wrong with our friend? Why is he such a terrible employee? <laughs> and the whole time she tried to laugh. To doom. Seriously, like, he can't be worse than, oh, Bane. See, now Bane's become that guy. Oh, I can't be worse than Bane. Aw. Um, so, <laughs> and I, as, as I was remembering shit like that, I just had to laugh and go, okay, between the four of us, there's got to be somebody else who's had that happen where you're just like, man. Things are not as cool as they used to be since I've, uh, you know, made this change or since this job thing happened. Especially if it's like two of you going for a job and only one of you gets it. And you're like, so how's it going, man? Um, (laughs) Yeah, Steve, you got me. Now, of course, the problem is that a Harley sometimes has the attention of a gnat. And Luther is doing a great job of distractions. Uh, whether it's the the next day at the Legion uh, or later on at the Legion when we see uh, the gift of bats, not flying ones, baseball kind, and, and different kinds, I might add. We get to meet Esteban, um, who's just lovely, and I can't wait to see more of And then we learn that the crew has suddenly, um, well, they're going to have to learn how to adjust to what their role at the Legion of Doom will now be. Uh, Brad, I'm going to hand it off to you first, man. What did you think of this sort of introduction to Luther's gifts, Esteban, and where the uh, the rest of Harley's crew winds up? I think the gifts were pretty perfect. I think that uh, they know what Harley wants. <laughs> and, I, and I like the line about the thread count. No, it's under the sheet. Uh, kind of got a kick out of that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, and I gotta, you know, I, I gotta feel bad for the crew because they don't want to be uh, like henchmen. They wanna, you know, they wanted to seat at the table, as the episode is called. So, you know, I was kind of bummed that they, they, they didn't get that. But uh, let's just say for comedy effect, it all works out in the end. Uh, Kendra, <laughs> what do you think? I, I gotta admit, I was actually expecting this to go down when Harley came in to the Legion of Doom. Um, I knew that them forgiving Dr. Psycho and his cunt-slinging ways was only only a matter of time before they put him down into the Doom Squad. <laughs> but my favorite part of this is when he's like, why are you pressing the button down? Why are we going down? And they get down there and he's just he launches into this whole monologue of why him, Clayface and King Shark shouldn't be down there with the rest of the goons. And he like it all boils down to, well, we have powers. And then enters Bane. (laughs) Bane is my favorite part of this entire episode because when he comes in to the sequences, he steals it. He steals it away, and it's absolutely beautiful. The, the streets will run with Razzy Zazzy under Bane's uh, watch. Line. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's line. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well done. 
Steve, what did you think? Razzy Zazzy for bang. No, it's Bade. Oh my God, he's so bloody brilliant. Oh, a poor old Todd. Um, I, I, does he ever get his? Will we see the end of Todd? Will we see the Razzy Zazzy explosion all over Gotham City? Uh, I don't know, but I can't wait to find out because he's fantastic. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. What can I say about the whole situation? Because let's face it, a seat at the table. Did you see Harley's office? They could easily have all sat around that table, <laughs> but they only give them one chair. What the actual hell? And listen, that basement, um, henchmen and goons, that place wasn't fit for rats. What's going on? And they have powers. So many powers. They should not be goons and henchmen. Oh, dear. Love it. So, so good. <laughs> what did you think, Seth? Ah, so much to love. I mean, yeah, Psycho's rant where he's like, no, you're not an actor. You're a monster made of clay who can turn into anything he wants. And this guy's a king shark. And I have telepathy. And he's Esteban. <laughs> Which I love calling him that, knowing that his name isn't Esteban. My name's like. <laughs> right. Who's like, uh, yeah, we know who you are, Dr. C guy, <laughs> which for some reason felt like one of the harshest burns. Like I was like, really, Dr. C guy shouldn't be that harsh. But clearly, since I am uh, disquieted at the idea of using the word uh, with the authority that God bless you, Kendra, you were able to. There's a part of me that will always be C word or see you next Tuesday. Like that's as close as I can get. That's. That's always going to, you know, um, what can I say? I don't know. It's like a stutter. Uh, it's just brain thing. I, I can't fix it. Um, the, uh, the unimpressive, as Steve said, it not fits for rats, goons and henchmen area was, uh, yeah. But, you know, Kendra, y- y- you win for best quote with uh, the streets will run with Razzy, <laughs> Zazzy. Like there was just something lovely about it. Um, and I also love the fact that it was preceded by him saying, eat enough that you won't be tired, but you know, that you'll have energy. I do not bring snacks. <laughs> Which made me suddenly into like that second grade teacher. <laughs> where it's like, we're going on a field trip. Bring snacks. I do not provide them. Like, there's just something about, like, now I want to see him teaching second grade and getting harassed by his kids because they don't respect him either. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the fact that, as you mentioned, Kendra, too, we get to the point where we're so anticipating what it is that Bane will do that he steals the show from the moment the elevator opens. And thankfully, this isn't our last moment with him because he makes a, well, true to nature appearance in the following scene which is a board meeting which has not only a great pitch experience but i'm curious if anyone caught the great movie reference midway through this pitch meeting uh tom hanks and such i'm just gonna say just go ahead and say yes or no if you caught the tom hanks movie reference uh during this meeting anyone Uh, i did not okay so Okay, so this was a scene from Big. And if you remember the movie Big, Tom Hanks, after he becomes big, uh, moves up quickly up the ladder and he's in a meeting. And it just so happens it's being run. 
Exactly. It's being run by the ex-boyfriend of the woman he's now involved with. And without realizing it, just by being such a natural kid, when they show a transformer that changes from a building into a transformer robot, he's like, I don't get it, as Steve just so perfectly said. And from that moment on, you realize that this kid is ruining the meeting because he's thinking like a kid and saying this doesn't work. Well, we get a moment like that from Harley after uh, a discussion and all this other fun stuff. But I just wanted to see one who else caught that reference. So I fucking died like the moment the moment that happened. And Harley's like, I don't get it. I was like, holy shit, they just pulled a big on us. That was so, anyone? Oh, man, I'm looking around for people. It's just me and the dogs. No one else is ready for this moment. And that was like a really formative movie for me as a kid. So I was was just struck by it. Okay, so we have this great scene. There's plenty of other stuff to unpack in there besides what I'm talking about. Brad, what were your takeaways? I I just liked uh, Bane saying uh, explosions and... Uh, like saying, I don't know what explos- explosions are, but we do have explosives. <laughs> that was that was my standout. Once again, Bane steals the show. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? Yes, he does, and he does it beautifully. But I mean, I think my mind for this one, aside from of course the lovely Mr. Bane, was uh, the interaction between Scarecrow and Joker when Joker's laying out his plan, and he's like, "I need six hundred million. And, you know, like, Scarecrow just kind of like, <clears throat> okay, no, no, that's fine. That's that's a perfectly reasonable thing to ask for. And it's just, it's funny to watch the rest of them interact with Joker because you see that, you know, even though Lex is at the head of the table and he's he's the boss of the Legion of Doom, everyone's scared of Joker and, until Harley is like, I don't get it. Why would you do this? Like, what's the takeaway? And then they... Her and Lex like team up, and you you didn't you get you got to bake the cake before you make the icing. That was probably the best part of that. For me. Steve, what Hell about yeah. you? Hell yeah! Bake the cake. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd need about eight hundred million, but I could probably do it for six hundred. Oh, that's a bargain. What is it with these goons? And <laughs> some of them have got terrifying powers, and they're pure evil. But they're all scared of Joker. I mean, you see it in the following scene as well, where when they're in the kitchen and Bane saying, "Oh, well done for standing up against Joker," and then Joker says, "Oh, uh, yeah, Joker, I was just telling Harley how dare she stand up against you." Again. What? What the hell's going on here? Joker, go <laughs> bake your damn cake and make sure that their candles not sticks of dynamite. You fucking loser. I mean, honestly. I hated the Joker for decades. I, I saw him, you know, kill Jim Gordon's second wife, Sarah. I saw him kill Jason Todd and cripple Barbara Gordon, but I've never hated him more than in this cartoon series where he's just a complete tool. And, oh, everyone's just up his ass. And what is going on? Seth, what is going on? Why can't he just go and bake his damn cake? Well, sadly, because, you know... Joker's crazy. Like you tell him to bake a cake and he's going to make a bomb and then he's going to sew it in your stomach while you're sleeping. Um, (laughs) You know, he's just that guy. Unfortunately, everybody's got a friend like this. Go ahead and raise your hands. I don't need to see him, but we all have a friend who would cut our stomachs open and put a bomb in it if we let him while we were sleeping. Right. Okay. So knowing I'm not alone on that. uh, Yeah. The stuff that one, I mean, okay. Can I talk about the fact that Luther mentions how the structure of the meeting is based on Pixar? (laughs) Oh yeah, that was great. In the whole conversation about up, 
Right. Bane's like, <laughs> I wish they'd do another up. And he's like, they can't. <laughs> and then Scarecrow with that, well, unless it's like the kid who's old now in the future. <laughs> if that's the sequel. And I, I love that Scarecrow just seems to, from that to, you know, to Joker, he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, you know, great. Uh-huh. What, what's your idea? Giant building with your face on it and a TV? Um, sounds brilliant. <laughs> and I love the fact that, uh, you know, he gets taken down by Harley's I Don't Get It, which, again, the big moment for me was just go back, watch big. If you're listening, watch big and then get back to me because this was just like there was a part of me that was just like, squealing like inside as a little kid just laughing my ass off um and the also the idea that as it's getting workshop luther tries to offer some alternatives like uh yeah well what if you just take over the airwaves he's like whatever everybody's taking fucking bane's taking over the airwaves <laughs> which is realized like not just amongst us but everybody else bane is that guy bane's the but even you know dumb shit over there is you know <laughs> has done that um Overall, I, I just kind of laughed at the fact that we're getting this all seen through Harley's eyes for the first time. But you got to imagine also, like, this is probably what these fucking meetings are like all the goddamn time. Crazy people like Joker asking 800 to 600 million sounds like the, well, the most untrustworthy contractor. And given his experience, I'm sure he knows what that's like. But that's not like one of those great estimates. Like, it should cost this, but I can do it for that. And you're like... Is that why it probably only costs like 400 million? Let, let's come on. Let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> overall, the fact that while we're talking about all this, poor Bane is still that guy when he's like, I still want a chair. Um, and <laughs> you realize how much they just rip on this guy. Now, what I love also about it is what seem should seem like a perfect takedown opportunity for uh, for harley regarding joker kind of gets flipped around when we get to that kitchen see scene which steve you so perfectly described and the way that bane one goes from supporting harley to quickly yeah i was just you know telling harley how wrong it was what she did and then joker takes a different tact and says hey we should get a you know a work drink you know talk about some things i don't know if it's about that fire pole that he had in the building which was just hilarious i i don't I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to come through. <laughs> and the way that gets workshop was uh, was pretty good. But I also like the shift that we have as we move into this uh, work drink experience, because this just happens to be the night when Harley is also promised she's going to help Ivy taking down, you know, uh, planet pavers. And at the same time, she's been getting more and more respect from Joker and everybody else. This could be an opportunity because her henchmen certainly don't want to be henchmen out for rent to guys like Bane. Tell me about what you guys were taking away from this work drink scene that follows afterwards. Brad, you first, my friend. Uh, again, I think that this whole thing is slowly really well, uh, as the episode goes on, it's a little faster realization, but uh, the realization that what she sacrificed to be part of the Legion of Doom wasn't worth it uh you know it's just it's just another example of that and it just keeps coming back to haunt her and you know sometimes you get what you want and it's not what you wanted at all uh Kendra, <laughs> what do you think yeah i think that he's a manipulative bastard i mean he he obviously knows what harley was craving and he's playing on those buttons all throughout this 
Because at the end of the last episode, you almost expected a big showdown to go down. And I'm still kind of waiting on that. But, I mean, during this one, you just get to see him, like, just playing her like a, like a guitar. He has her. And Seth brought up a really good point because she's kind of overwhelmed at this point. She's supposed to be going out on a heist with Ivy. She's, you know, struggling to get her crew out from underneath, you know, at this moment in time, Bane. Um, it's just, it's one thing after another for her. And then here she has this opportunity to get the respect that she's been wanting, which is all she pretty much ever wanted from Joker. And it's just, it's, it's a big old ball of fuck me, dude. You know, Steve, what did you think? I couldn't agree more. I, I, the whole thing with Joker, I've seen this episode three times now. And every single time I still get the same emotions of like revulsion and just wanting to slap the fucker around the face uh, and like saying, leave her alone. She's worth 20 of you, you dick. But every single time I've seen it three times and I still get the same waves of like, oh, God, would you just shut up and Harley run, get out of there. Uh, even to the point later in the scene with the helicopter, I, I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, but I'm still dreading it happening because I don't want it to happen. And it's just so brilliantly done. The pacing, the, the direction, the acting, the lines, the dialogue. It's just brilliant. And as I said, I've never hated Joker more, even though he's done much worse things. Just because of his level of supreme doucheness and the way he treats Harley, who deserves um, a lot better. So, yeah, it's, it's just so brilliantly, brilliantly handled. What did you make of it, Seth? I have to agree with so many different points you guys are bringing up here. One, I mean, Brad, what is she sacrificing in order to make this choice, right? Like, at some point, you're going to be tested, whether it's the money, power, and quote-unquote respect, or the people you love who love you, no matter what you have. Uh, Kendra, how manipulative manipulative like really this guy like he knows you need to game the system probably because he was involved in them shoving your crew down to henchmen which is why he's going to bring up the idea of gaming the system which is what she remembers later and agrees to the drink but at the same time you're like hey man like aren't you gaming me right now while quote unquote saying you're going to game help me game the system like it's somebody who's like hey let me teach you how to you know do all this stuff but first you got to do something for me it's like <laughs> is that going to be my hard lesson? Like, is that going to be my first like major disappointment? And Steve, man, I'm with you. I grew up thinking and remembering every malicious act, everything this guy did, that the glee on his face, holding the crowbar, the malevolence. Right. He was standing at Barbara's door in that moment where he lets her realize what's going on, experience the fear and the sure like this is a guy who is very comfortable tying up every member of the Bat family around a table and then supposedly having their faces on plates and just like playing the biggest mindfuck game possible. And then you realize that he's just as smooth and charming and it's so creepy, like it gives you that, fuck, I gotta take a shower after this shit. Third time, fourth time, fifth time through seeing this episode and you just feel dirty because you know that's what he is. You know that she knows that's what he is. And you can't help but feel like, damn girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, damn, girl, you're getting played. Like, you know, I, I seriously just yeah. want fucking uh, Whippy Goldberg <laughs> to pop up and be like, Molly, you in danger, girl. And like, <laughs> and then that was a little ghost reference. Holly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> Holly, you in danger, girl. Um, you know, and just sort of let her know, like, hey, dude, that that ain't that's not cool. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't see what's happening. I do. Uh, and along the way, yeah. we also just get this like, sorry, Brad, did I cut you off? Oh, sorry. oh no, no, you. Uh, just, <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Am Please. I, you know, just am I the only? one who thinks of this joker and just like god just get it over with already we don't need him just yeah, like deal yeah. with this part of yes. her development and we don't need to see him anymore and that's and 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 that's why i keep calling this joker weak and weak's maybe not the right word but he's just not to me he's just not charismatic i want him gone we don't need him he doesn't really once yeah. once harley grows out of it he is never needed again we don't need to see him you know Which what though, Brad? Exactly where they succeeded. That's that's probably yeah. the greatest greatest moment for this writing cast. Like, not only have they managed to make villains absolutely relatable and personable, but they give you what everyone has secretly wanted and vocally wanted for years, which is Joker is not a good person. He's never been a good person, and I think that they're able to display that perfectly in this series. He's always I, been despicable, but they make him absolutely unlikable and unmanageable. And you just want to keep him at arm's length with a barge pole. He, they've just made him slimy and icky as well as evil. It's genius. Completely. Not only that, but I'm going to point back to, you know, Brad, you're right. He is weak. And Kendra, you nailed it with the fact that exactly this is a brilliant example from the writing team. Steve, you you're you're stating everything that we're all feeling and yet hasn't been expressed yet in our you know uh, responses to this and you you get all those great things that were like yeah i meant that too and yeah i meant that too um <laughs> but also tell me this isn't the perfect example of that shitty ex that your friends have had or you've had and everybody's like either your friends to uh, you or you to your friends you're like dude what the fuck like, how long is this fucking person in the picture? I thought you guys were done. We all thought you were done. We thought this was done five duns ago. Like, seriously, what in the actual fuck? And it's not that easy. Like, you know, like, no offense against Harley, but she shit where she ate, um, which is a phrase that they'll say when you mess around with somebody you work with. And <laughs> when that happens, yep. if you're in the same industry, guess what? Now you're stuck with that person. Like there's only so many places for people in a certain industry to go. And if you're stuck where you're at or if that's the only route or if you're like Harley, you're fixated on beating your ex. Well, shit. Guess what? This is what you're going to have to face all the time. And even though, Brad, you're right. This guy is so fucking weak. He's already been beaten. It's the fact that he still has enough hold on Harley, just like us or friends we've known who've gone through this where you're like, OK, we both know this shit should be over and you should be done with this shit. And it's not. So, again, what in the actual fuck? When are we getting done with this guy? When can Harley move on? But this writing team, they know it's not that fucking easy. And they've made it perfect for us to experience and also to sort of, like, work through of, like, okay, but, yeah, I've had that shitty ex or I've had friends who've had that shitty ex. And just because you want it over, just because you say it over, just because it ends up being over – Dude, there's like this baggage and all this. Uh, I, so I love the fact that this is happening and that it's it's putting such a wrench 
in the plans that she had made with Ivy, which moves me into the fact that we kind of move back and forth between this scene and Ivy and Frank and then later Ivy and Frank again. Um, and we're going to pop to that in a sec. But as we've been doing it, we also get the experience of of the waitress who's like, you know, I'm shipping you guys, <laughs> which was just really fun to hear someone say in the tray of drinks and the confusion oh. over whether or not they <laughs> whether or not they killed Zach Braff, which was just great for me, a scrubs <laughs> little thing. But but along the way, we've also got Ivy, who's waiting on her. And we got a great conversation, one with Frank the Plank at the apartment, and then later at the place where Ivy's supposed to meet Harley. I let you pick one, both, all of those two scenes where we're seeing Ivy trying to get ready for this big heist of hers. And Frank, in both of these scenes, what were your takeaways? Both the apartment, later at the restaurant, you know, Frank's pot guy, whatever you want to dig on. Brad, how about you, man? Uh, I, I think we need to see more, Frank. Uh, something about him I like. Uh, and uh, so any 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 scene that he's in, I kind of dig. So it was kind of nice to see him. Uh, nice to see him again. And I, I I just like his little eyeball slash hands things that he's got <laughs> going on. Uh, and, yeah, we all wonder what happened to Zach Braff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you got to have some sympathy for Ivy. I mean, you know, she's been through a lot and she goes through a lot to maintain this friendship with Harley. And you just kind of feel bad for her. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I, I fully agree. Ivy, this this two sequences really make you feel bad for Ivy because she's making like as she's talking with frank she's making any and every excuse to justify why it's okay for harley to do what she's doing and even though at this point in time ivy does not know that she's out having a drink a work drink you know she's she's like well she maybe got busy or you know she's still a good friend you know she she's really trying in her head to justify why harley has basically just abandoned her and forgotten their plans. And then you've got Frank, who is absolutely the comic relief in this part of it, especially <laughs> when he comes into the restaurant with his pot guy. I mean, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's... Maybe I read the ad wrong. <laughs> it's a great sequence because they, they definitely... There's one thing these writers know. It's that you have to, to balance out the hardcore hitting stuff with a bit of comedy, even if it's dark comedy. And I mean, it's just, it's hard not to feel absolutely horrid for Ivy because we've all been in that situation where we have this friend who we absolutely adore and we would go to bat for them because we're loyal. And it's hard to see through that, that they're not necessarily doing exactly what a friend should. And unfortunately Ivy's getting a huge taste of that this episode. Steve, what did you think? Oh, Kendra, that was beautiful. Yeah, it, that's the thing, again, with this show. It's surreal and it's wacky, but it's so real at the same time. I mean, Frank is our voice. Frank is wise. He is telling it exactly how it is. And mm -hmm. 
Ivy should listen to him the same way that Harley should listen to Ivy. It's just brilliant. They're literally just like a group of friends we see in the real world every single day trying to open their blinkered friend's eyes. I mean, because we all know love at its best is the best thing in the world, but at its worst, it's horrible, it's dark, it's evil. And it's it's fantastically done in this show where, like we say all the time, Harley can't see it the same way we probably couldn't see it when we were in a shitty relationship with someone just because we loved them and everyone else could see it but we couldn't because we were blinded by it and that happens to heart to ivy as well in this episode because we all know that ivy deserves better and harley's off with a joker but ivy gets this text from harley and just because at the end of it harley says ugh she says, oh, yeah, look, see, oh, she really does not want to be doing this Legion of Doom thing. She wants to be with me, helping me. This, And I've been there. We've all had that text message, which deep in our hearts we know is complete bullshit. But because we've had it, we accept it because that's the person we love. And it's just, oh, this, this fucking show is just genius. It's absolutely genius. So, so good. What did you make of it all, Seth? Oh, Steve, you summed it all up for me right then, because all I could think of was that moment when something ends and either you're the terrible person to say it or you're the person who hears it from someone who's terrible enough to say. But I don't know how things might be in the future, right? Maybe things will work out in the future. I don't know. And you're just like, ah, Christ, like, really? Why? (laughs) Why? Why do you have to just make it that terrible? But everything you guys are bringing up, I mean, yeah, Steve, when you're lost in it, man, you just can't see. And, you know, Brad, Kenji, you guys are bringing up the fact that I I love, which is that Ivy is getting used in this one. She's she's getting burned, you know, not aware of the fact that, you know, Harley is planning to blow her off. Maybe not intentionally, but subconsciously she's already agreed to the drinks. And if shit happens while well, she's you know, not going to hold herself terribly accountable. And she's not saying things will happen, but clearly we can all see this happening. And meanwhile, Ivy is blindly going forward like, don't worry, she'll be there. Whether it's, you know, at the apartment and Frank, who, yes, I agree, we need more of, Brad, I I completely agree. Um, (laughs) And we need his little hand eyes and his offers to come, you know, fuck shit up. Um, And and even the fact that he can be um, powerful with his words like, I love the fact that he's got to do the emotional takedown of Ivy regarding the diversification of her color pattern, <laughs> you know, with that. So is that what you're wearing? <laughs> like, I was like, damn. Frank, Verbal like, ass whooping. Seriously, why don't you go ahead and ask her if she's gained weight while you're at it? And we'll just see if you can swallow your teeth in a second. Like, how can you just be rude to somebody else? And, and then you realize he's like, but that's part of how I am. I'm so I'm so talented. I can fuck you up physical. I can fuck you up with words, dude. I'm 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 Frank. Um, and yet Frank has to call an ad for a pot guy who turns out is a marijuana uh, dealer, but also apparently <laughs> negotiates some kind of deal about carrying Frank and his pot over to the restaurant. Um, and, and yeah, you know, the, the fact that it's so easy to like want to believe the stuck in a legion of doom thing ug oh see the ug means that she really doesn't want to be there you're like really three letters mean that much like come on man <laughs> come on like do you always but fall we've for all every- had it exactly exactly and that's the challenge it's the blinding that's going on and us being forced to watch it as the viewers knowing 
Ah, oh, come on. Joker's a piece of shit. Ah, oh, come on. Ivy, you're too fucking good for this girl. God damn it. She ain't in the right place for you. You need to find somebody who loves you. And Ah, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> but it, when it comes down to it, you know, some of the moments that also stuck out for me and just chime in as you hear these. Um, one, you know, the fact that Frank is so direct with she stood your ass up. And then he starts comparing her to the pear tree from 9-11. <laughs> He was a dick then, and he's a dick now. Always exactly, right? He was always a fucking dick. No, he changed, and so is Harley, right? That's what I love is the great counter. Like, I love this great, hilarious pear thing. But then we also come back to it. He's like, nah, the point of this fucking story is that pear tree changed, and so did Harley. <laughs> but, yeah, he was a dick then, and he's a dick now. That that that, that probably had to be, uh, yeah, that had to be pretty uh, brilliant, to say the least. Um Overall, stuff like this just makes me realize you've got a great talent with this crew, with this writing team, and you've got a great way to displaying it with all these different examples. This shit, I mean, you can't make it up when it's so perfectly drawn from all of our experiences. As Steve was just saying a moment ago, we've all been there. We all know what this is like, and we've all sort of gone through that process of like, why am I doing this shit? What is wrong with me? <laughs> Followed by oh, shit, I'm doing this shit again. God damn it. <laughs> Here I go. Um, and that's probably got to be what the crew is feeling like because we move into the next scene and it was revealed that during this work drink time that it's actually been Joker who's been paying Todd, the young man at the, uh, well, the juice shop, to spell Bane's name wrong <laughs> and make it bang. And uh, it's it's happening now. Bane has shown up. He wants Harley's crew, uh, you know, and, and they're all just sort of hanging out. By the way, there's a great vending machine moment, which made me wonder, what's, if you can think of it, either A, the weirdest flavor of snack you've ever eaten or seen? And pick your pick your favorite on that. Because the example they describe while they're waiting and the vending machine is is probably pretty fucking brilliant. And then, of course, Bane shows up, steals the scene, and has some of the best lines, which, warning, if you don't say them when I wrap up summarily, you know it's coming. I'm going to bust him out. And, you know, Steve, if you just leave one out there for me, well, this is just one of the reasons I fucking love you. But, Brad, taking this, all, <laughs> yeah, taking this all in mind, starting from the vending room to Bane's arrival and, and where things are going, you know, what's your feelings on this one? Well, the strangest snack I've ever seen, and I didn't buy them. Uh, there's this uh, Asian goods store in uh, New York City called Pearl River. And they had bags full of these little full fish, bones and everything, selling them as like candy or for kids. So I was like, that was, I was like, oh, no way. No way. Um, and as, I, those. <laughs> yeah, I really? actually really like them. Yeah, it's really? are they good? Uh, yeah, trips to Hong it. Kong and the Philippines. Suddenly you're like, so this is. is snack food. Oh, this is salty and crunchy. I'm good. Let's rock with it. <laughs> nice. I always wondered how they taste. I just I couldn't. I'm brave, yeah, but man, I just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I even though Joker manipulated everything, I I still kind of was rooting for Bane to get to blow up Todd just so we could have a little bit of vindication. I mean, the poor guy. I mean, he deserves, he deserves something to go right. Now uh, we're saying poor Bane. Poor Bane. Yeah. 
and he even gets the day wrong. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> he should have checked the schedule. <laughs> Wait and stay. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I think that the octopus ranch chips are probably the most horrible thing I've ever heard in my life. But, I mean, because I'm pretty safe when it comes to my snacks. I think the only thing I've ever stepped out on was my Oreos. And it's just because they make so many variations of Oreos. So carrot cake Oreos was my most recent experiment. And it was delicious. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to let Seth have all the Bane, Bane ones, all the Bane quotations. Because <laughs> that, and you just, you do the voice so well. So Steve, <laughs> what's your thought? Yeah, I'm with you, Kendra. Absolutely. Seth, Bane, Bane, Seth. I can't even tell them apart anymore. They are one and the same. Identical twins, separated at birth, like peas in a pod. He is my brother from a very strange other mother. Maybe, maybe we're separated twins. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's something. Can you taste it? Oh, baby, I can taste oh. it. All sweet, crunchy, and a little bit tentacly. Uh, yeah, I've never had it as a you know as a combination flavor with ranch, but I have had uh, fish flavored chips, and I have had also uh, octopus and shrimp flavored chips as well. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. There's something about salty and crunch with a little bit of seafood sort of flavor, and I'm I'm just fucking in there, like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my wife claims I'm honorary brown. She's Filipina. And there's actually this like pork blood stew that they make called Dinagawan. And I'm one of the few oh, people. It's good. Right? It's lovely. Right. But a lot of the Filipino folks who have had it don't like it. So they kind of look at me like, okay, seriously, well, sometimes you're a little browner than, than we are right now, homie. Like, what's up? <laughs> and I'm like, but, but it's so fucking good. Um, okay. So yeah, you know, uh, for, for the wackiest stuff, uh, I've seen some pretty crazy ones. I've eaten some pretty crazy ones. Uh, granted, what everybody's idea crazy might be, I was just sort of curious because I'll be honest, I've never done octopus and ranch. And I wondered if maybe one of you guys had. Uh, Bane, when he shows up, uh, <laughs> I love the fact that Psycho rips on him with, all right, S&M Sally, which probably had to be just the harshest burn. <laughs> like, he shows up, and it's just, like, pop smack. And um, and pretty much as far as Bane from this one, you know, uh, you know, shit. I did the paperwork. I even got the green light from HR. Like, there's just something <laughs> kind of lovely about, <laughs> about Bane in that moment. Um, but we we get a little pause before we we cut back to just how things are going to go on this mission out because things haven't ended with uh, with Harley and Joker. In fact, they're on a yacht drinking wine and for the most part, taking things even further than I think any of us are comfortable. Like really for everybody, like what's your toleration level at this point? Because We've already been getting a little burned up by everything that's been happening, and now we've got this sort of scene that seems to just compound on what we're all, you know, dealing with. And pretty much, you know, how how much longer are you guys hanging on before you feel like things are going to break? Because we actually do have a breaking moment in this. Brad, where were you at in this scene, and and what was your feeling by the time it concluded? Uh. 
Huh. I don't know if it was reaching the breaking point so much. I mean, uh, huh. that's interesting. Um, I'm impatient. I don't know what to tell you, but there was a part of me was just like, holy shit. They just went from the place with the drinks to now with the yacht with the drinks. Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, cause I just, I just never really thought that, that Harley was going to completely fall back into the Joker's, you know, orbit completely. I always thought that there was going to be something that was going to come and like a light bulb going on in their head. So I think that's why I didn't think there was really any breaking point because I just kind of figured no matter what's going to happen, she's going to come around. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? Um, I mean, with this one, I think I, I'm I'm kind of divided because at the beginning of this scene, like when they they come over to the yacht, um, I remember when we when I watched this one again, I was so angry because King Shark's sitting there trying to get a hold of her. You know, everybody literally is trying to get a hold of her, and she's just like, nope, not having anything to do with you. My eyes are focused right here with Joker, and. I mean, we we have we have a little bit of a break to the seriousness because we have the, the young lady, the couple who actually own the yacht, sitting there watching them eat their dinner, and she, she gets mad. She's like, she's using the the salad fork for the steak, and I'm just like, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> so there's our break. So on one hand, I was I was really angry because she's worked so hard up to this point. To, to be her own person and to have her own crew. And then she's basically, you know, she goes into what we lovingly refer to as red shirt mentality and everyone else is expendable except for Joker in this moment. And the other half of me is kind of where you are, Seth. Like I, I see what you mean when it comes to the breaking point, because with Harley Joker is not only super manipulative, but he's doing everything that she that was all she wanted and it wasn't like she was asking much from their relationship to be fair right he's giving her everything you know he's giving her respect he's treating her with kindness he's treating her as a partner and you don't really get to see through his guys until he gets to the point where they're talking about um the master or the the student becoming the master and she corrects his quote and that's when you see everything kind of start to break because he's like, oh, no, no, you would never surpass the master. The student becomes on equal ground with the master. <laughs> Another master. You couldn't even give her that little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that's where it's kind of like I see where Seth, where Seth was going with the breaking point, because that's kind of that was the beginning. Like that was where everything started to click because he's been doing everything that you know, he probably even paid the bar lady at the bar to come up and be like, oh, you guys were always my favorite couple, just to yes. push that note on to Harley. And it's working, and we see it working because of her ignoring her entire crew. So this scene made me, you know, like, I, I was understanding to it, but I was still, like, as a fan, super angry. Steve, what about you? So... 100% spot on exactly right he is the master manipulator and even the first time I saw it when I didn't know what was going to happen I just knew that at some point Joker would revert to type and literally leave her hanging at, at, at some 
angle and even the second time i watched it and the third time i watched it like i mentioned earlier i knew what was coming but i still felt for harley and i still wanted to strangle joke and i was pissed at the point they were having the work drink i was super frustrated the second i saw them on the boat and by the time they get to the holly helicopter i was spitting feathers it was just like rage i think harley what are you doing so i wanted to grab her by the shoulders and shake her and as for him oh blimey i could actually gone gone joker on joker that that's how <laughs> oh seriously awesome. i wanted to cause him severe pain but is it like stockholm syndrome i mean obviously we've all been in a relationship that is bad for us but we still stay with it because we want it to get better and he pulled every string and he did everything she never expected him to do to lure her in to lure her in to lure her in and then boom as we know it's going to happen it happens but we'll get to that point when, when seth wants to talk about it. yeah but seth <laughs> your rage oh my god yeah i'm totally with you i felt it from beginning to end even though i've seen this damn episode three or four times now brilliantly done <laughs> well look you know I, I think the great thing about this scene is everyone can come into it differently you know i was talking about breaking points here. and brad i agree depending on how you're you know invested or what your expectation is if you're already just, you know, like waiting for that other shoe to drop, you're like, come on, dude. Like, I'm just waiting my fucking time, twiddling my goddamn thumbs, waiting for you to do that shit. And until they actually do it. But what was killing me was the the lead up to it. Because I was like, as Brad and Kendra were saying, this dude can't keep this shit up. He's an egomaniac. Like, the whole point of their relationship was for her to be a sycophant. You know, just to, like, hop praise and then, you know treat her badly like you would a puppy knowing that after a little bit the puppy comes just like you know wagging tail back because god damn it puppies are just so fucking amazing that way no matter how bad you treat him and he, he's doing that treater and there she is love struck puppy and she's also giving him ideas as the conversation's going like damn she already helped you fix the fact that nobody was going to go for your idea you know once it got to a certain point she saves you all that trouble then she comes up with the brilliant fucking plan of like hey let's have it rise out of the ground to which he's like like a jack-in-the-box and do all that springy thing it's very on brand like i, I fucking love that shit but i also was like damn girl just don't don't give him everything yeah you know like i don't know like <laughs> I think I've heard my wife say it whenever there's a scene and, and she'll say, you know, damn girl, show a little resistance, like, you know, put up a little fight. <laughs> Don't just give it away is her phrase. Um, and and then there's the crux because Batman arrives and the chopper arrives. And then Joker does that thing that we expect him to do, only... The first half sounds like what we've all been used to hearing. And then the second half follows with the the last thing I could do is is think about leaving you. How about us escape together? Which, I mean, it's kind of like going back to our uh, cake reference, the frosting on the cake with maybe even some really pretty roses and like some happy writing. Like this is the last thing she needs. Every time that they've had this opportunity, what has he done? He's thrown her to Batman. He's thrown her to the wolves. He's thrown her. And yet he's like, come on, let's 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 climb onto the chopper. I'm curious because I know there's stuff coming up next. And Steve, thanks for pumping the brakes because I want to sort of like set this up a little bit. At this moment, did anybody, you know, believe it? We'd already seen the cracks earlier with the student becomes another master, not the student becomes the master. Clearly, he can't even give up that much, like you said, Brad. But then in this moment, 
did that wash away all sins forgiven kind of thing? Was it like, holy shit, he's rescuing her for them to go away on the chopper together. This is real. It's really happening. Like suddenly the, the asshole, you know, partner is like a real, you know, human being. Or were you still full of doubts even when he's saying, come on, hop on the chopper with me? And I don't know how, but amazingly seems to defeat Batman with rather simplistic ways. I almost felt like he paid off Batman for that one. I know it didn't happen. I was like, come on, Bat, seriously, dude? You can take this fucking guy. But, you know, before everything that happens after, in this moment, tell me real quick. The chopper, he says, come on, let's go away together. You know, baby, let's go. Uh What'd you think, Brad? Did you buy it? Were you believing at that mm-hmm. moment? Did you think it changed? No, I didn't. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it for a second. <laughs> I love the skepticism. Uh, yeah, no way. Okay. Uh, but hearing like Carly's little squeals of excitement and seeing how happy she was that she finally felt at that moment she may have broken through to him, I just felt bad for her because you just know you're talking about other shoe to drop. That other shoe is going to drop. And uh, yeah, so uh, I didn't. I didn't buy the helicopter ride at all. Uh, Kendra? Yeah, I'm on team hard pass. (laughs) Hard hard pass. Okay, Steve, how Um, about you? (laughs) Oh, sorry, Kendra, I'm not cutting you off. What were you saying? No, you're fine. I mean, I was, I was going to, to your, to your comment about him maybe paying off the Batman. I don't, I don't necessarily think there was a payoff. I think that the Batman saw this as a teaching moment. So he kind of let things flow. Steve, what about you? Nice. Uh, that, that actually made me pause for thought. Like, nice, because my, my response was that Batman was just so fucking flummoxed by the fact that Joker actually let Harley on the helicopter that he actually slipped because he <laughs> said, wah, 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 who, what, where? Um, but no, I did not fucking fall for it at all. Even the first time I watched it, I thought, he's either going to do the same shit he pulled in episode one, or he's actually making it worse and making her think that he has changed just to fuck her up even worse later on. And hmm, guess what? We were all right because he is a complete turd. Um, oh God! Listen, I, I honestly want to feed him to the fishies. I want to go full on soprano with this dickhead. And but you know, but that's the genius of this show. As much as you've ever hated him, you hate him more because you see that he's a scumbag. Urgh. Oh, don't know. Oh, Seth. <laughs> So, yeah, and I, hey, uh, I agree with you. There, there was a part of me who was like, this guy, he's only doing this so he can burn her later. I didn't realize how much quickly later would be uh, arriving. And we get there moments later when he's giving her that, I needed you so I could do this. And the bat plane pulls up. He tosses her out of the chopper. And in that moment, we experience Harley's heartbreak. We see the flashbacks. Thank you to everyone for giving a chance to sort of touch on these two moments separately, because we go from that moment of huge elation, climbing on the chopper, getting away, to the moment where he shoves her out of the chopper. We see the flashbacks. And, well, I'm going to let you guys fill in what your moments were from that scene, what it meant for you, and, and how that leads into the scene that comes after. But... In that moment, was it like, oh, fucking told you? Was it like, yep, knew it? Or, you know, what was your overall sort of feeling the moment that happened? And then also as we're watching those flashbacks, because a couple of them didn't feel like they were from this show. 
but I'm, I'm curious to hear what everybody thought just as, as we see this momentous betrayal. Brad, how about you to start? Yeah, I was wondering about those flashbacks as well because I was trying to place them and, and yeah, they, did, they, all, they didn't all necessarily seem to come from the show. But I, I, I just I'm not completely keep, crazy. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep playing that scene where she's falling and, you know, just like you see that look in horror in her face. And even though it's just a drawing and it's a cartoon, for some reason, I just could feel those wheels turning in her head and that kind of horrific revelation of what had just happened. And there are those moments in life when you're either in a relationship or maybe it was somebody that you wanted to be in a relationship with or somebody you had a history with where something just clicks and you realize that this person is wrong and you just and it just it's like turning off the light switch and i think that obviously for obvious reasons that's what happened in this moment as she was falling in uh, into the water uh kendra what do you think I think that if nothing else solidifies Joker's evil, this moment does. Because, you know, like like you said, Seth, she's at this supreme moment of elation. And like Brad pointed to, you know, she has so much hope for what is coming. Like, everything has fit into place and everything is going exactly the way that she hoped that it would. And everything is happening correctly. And he waits until they're both in the chopper. He gives her this, you know, they have this passionate kiss and then he's like, go fuck yourself and pushes her out of this helicopter. And the moment like watching her fall was heartbreaking, but I am unashamed to say that I cried when I watched this one, when she fell onto Batman's bat jet where he saves her because just the look, like the the look that the animators were able to bring to life of her absolute despair as Batman is like, things never change, Quinn. Like, he doesn't try and, and threaten her with Arkham. He doesn't try to, you know, to capture her or anything like that. He, you know, Batman just sits there and he's like, this is the lesson. You know, I don't need to do anything to you because you have just learned the hardest thing that you can in life. And I lost it. I mean, I'm even cheering up now. I'm so mad at myself. (laughs) But it is. It's powerful. It is extremely powerful because you see the betrayal. And then you get this moment where Batman is really not the perceived bad guy that he normally is with Harley and Joker. Like, he has this moment of absolute empathy for her knowing what just happened. Like, he watched the whole thing unfold. Steve, what did you think? Kendra, I am so with you. This show, um, for the first time with this episode, kicked me so square in the fields that I, I haven't recovered since. And it, it was the first time, but it's not the last. As, as we all know, there's several more times when, when this happens. But like you said, the, the direction and the animation, because I felt realisation. I felt her waking up. And I also felt her total and utter despair and heartbreak as she was falling. And the bit just before the the Batwing zooms underneath her to to grab her, where she curls into that fetal position as she's going to kick the voice. It's like you actually see that thing where that's it. it, I, I, I give up now. And it is heartbreaking because that whole position is 
us returning to our weakest point when we were just like hopeless little embryos growing in the room. And he did that to her and, and he reeled her in. So I have to say brilliantly because the man is clearly a genius. He's an arsehole. He's a complete fuckhead, but he's a genius. And he gets her right to the point where I can get this girl back at any time I wanted. And he's right. But to Harley's defense at the beginning, she is doing her utmost just a colleague's drink and part of the Legion of Doom. And you just see that grip getting looser and looser and his grip getting stronger and stronger. And that whole mirror image, that whole description of the, of the, of the complete polar opposites that they are. And then, like you said, Kendra, beautifully, Batman. Wow. With that line, is he, he knew. And rather than go and catch the Joker, he saved her. And... It's just one of these moments, again, where this crazy-ass show proves to be one of the best-written, best-produced, most thoughtful, thought-provoking, psychological pieces of brilliance I've ever seen on TV. It's genius. What did you make of it, Seth? Wow. I was I was really moved. Uh, one, Kendra, thanks thanks for being the bravest among us, or the first among the brave, to talk about the fact that this this scene should choke you up. If you've ever felt heartache, heartbreak, or watched someone go through it, I mean, go ahead. You can just verbally agree or nod your head silently. But if you've ever seen one of your friends or yourself look in the mirror and realize that heartbreaking feeling, I mean, I'm always reminded of that cry at the end of Romeo and Juliet where Claire Danes does that very childlike, oh. right? Like from her gut, yeah. like in, in the way you see a child cry and you think to yourself, oh, God. There are a few things more heartbreaking than that. And you can see all of that on her face without ever hearing a word. And that realization, that that horrible experience of saying to yourself, I can't believe I let this happen again. I can't believe I did this. And no matter what, when you've been in that position, I mean, Christ, if you're not crying, parts of you are already broken and that's okay. They'll get fixed later. But if you are, it just shows you know, how deeply this can affect and should, because for all the comedy, there's got to be growth. There's got to be this development. We've seen Harley pushing and trying, but if she's going to, she's going to become the thing she actually wants and not just the thing she thinks she wants, she's going to have to have some of these hard lessons. And that moment when Batman catches her and he says, you know, some things never change. You guys were right on. Like he knows he doesn't have to do anything worse. The worst thing that could possibly happen just happened. And also when she takes that moment, instead of accepting the rescue, just falls off the plane into the water. Uh, for anybody who read Identity Crisis, it just reminds me of that moment when Adam realizes the loss yeah. he's experienced. And he says, sometimes I just yeah. feel so small. And you see him shrink and disappear. And that's what it felt like for Harley. And we all know that feeling when you've been through something like this and you're like, I feel so alone. How do I trust anyone if I can't trust this person? No matter how many times they do it to me, I still I still want to de determine my value by somebody else or how they treat me. Man, I mean, heartbreaking stuff, um, powerful and sadly, probably without sort of giving away stuff later on, not the last time. But it does set up that, and I always just love if you're an American dad guy, this is the moment when Steve's friend Barry goes, oh, no, it's the all is lost moment. 
And I actually like just love the way he does that because it's just that moment where you feel like everything's getting bad. Can it get any worse? Well, it can. Just for example, join us now as we talk about Psycho, Clayface, Bane, and a not-present King Shark as they're waiting outside of the juice shop. Things aren't going to go well, and I'm just going to sort of let everyone take it from here. We know that uh, Bane's got a plan, and we know what happens uh, in the moments that follow. Brad, what, what was your take on this moment and how it follows up that heartbreak for Harley? <laughs> Poor King Shark. Uh, yeah, that's that didn't go exactly as planned. And it just keeps compounding to the fact that Harley really fucked up with this one. Uh, she put all her egg in the wrong basket and a lot of her friends uh, pay for it. And yeah, that's uh, that doesn't make anything that else happened any easier. Uh, Kendra? Yeah, I've got to fully agree with Brad. This was a... Uh... Oh, this was a fuck up on Harley's side because she she went in with the best of intentions. She wanted to help her crew get out from the goons and was overshadowed with the rose-colored glasses of Joker. And when we come back outside of this, what is this called? The Juice Bar Java Juice? We're watching as, you know, Bane and King Shark and Dr. Psycho and Clayface are all here. And King Shark has been sent in to you know, do some recon work and set, I, I'm assuming he's setting the bomb up and Bane gets impatient and suddenly we have a shark fin in the, in the middle of the, the car window. <laughs> <laughs> On the windshield. <laughs> On the windshield. Wipers won't help. <laughs> no. And I mean, it just, it goes disastrously wrong for, for the crew and not to, to take anything away from Harley, but I mean, in this moment, this is about the crew and like almost the ultimate betrayal because they believed in Harley to help them not be a part of, of Bane's squad, a part of this caper that Bane, Bane is doing. And out of nowhere, a big explosion happens and now King Shark is without his fin and bleeding on the car. Steve, what did you make of it? Oh, yeah. It's literally everything that can go wrong does. In her attempt to help her crew, she ends up betraying them in the worst way possible. And in the attempt to stay away from Joker, she does the complete opposite. And it's like everything that poor girl tries to do goes completely and utterly tits up. And poor old King Shark. I mean, something ain't right here. Oh, God, stop me now before I hurt myself. <laughs> um, yeah, poor old shot King Shark's in the soup. No, stop it, Steve. Please leave it alone. Um, what can I say? That 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 smoothie place has literally ripped poor old King Shark in two. It has him um, <laughs> coming out with some classic stuff when the Warfiend's talking later on. But Harley are you proud of yourself? But then you can't be mad at her because you feel what she's just been through. And it's all those conflicting emotions where you both want to slap Harley, but also take her in your arms and give her a hug and say, listen, have you learned anything yet? And brilliant psychology 101. They should put this 
show into every criminal psychology class out there. Cami Garcia, I hope you're watching this show because as much as you scared me with putting people in trunks and a million ways out of them, this show is right up your alley. Seth, what did you make of it all, brother? Oh, universities, pay attention. This needs to be on your class listing. Get it added quickly. Uh, Steve, yeah, I mean, (laughs) one, this is clearly not a well-planned plan, a well-designed plan by Bain. Um, As well pointed out by Psycho, who is like, why is it taking him so long? Well, maybe because he's a giant-ass king shark who's not really good with explosives, let alone a demolitions expert. Like, you sent the wrong guy in. (laughs) Like, even Psycho probably could have done a better job just based on dexterity of finger movement. But, But, you know, that's one thing. Um, and and the <laughs> the result is, Kendra, as you pointed out, Bane gets impatient, figures everything should be fine, presses the button, and we're rewarded with first the fin hitting the windshield, which I loved, followed by King Shark. <laughs> it was like, oh, there was a little bit more mass. We needed to wait for that to occur. And the discovery that just how badly was this planned? Well, Todd, the uh, intended victim, doesn't actually work Wednesdays, to which Bane's only response is, oh, they must have changed the schedule. Uh, Like, there's just, there's that party that's just like, holy shit, Harley. Like, not only did you fuck up by going off with Joker, but you left your team so vulnerable that they get scooped up by, I mean, he's that guy now, Bane. And (laughs) they go off and do something very Bane-like, And what do you expect? Now we're in the hospital. And this is where pretty much everything, I mean, literally the shit hits the fan. Because, uh, you know, we've got everyone in the hospital room with King Shark. We have a very, very dramatic moment from Clayface, followed by the arrival of Ivy. Um, Some very unfortunate news on the television. And Harley walking in and basically after showing up, tries to lie before she's exposed on the television. I know I left some gaps for everyone to fill in, you know, what was sticking out for you at this. And also the fact that like, it's, you know, like literally again, the shit is hitting the fan. Everyone's getting covered. No one's walking out of this clean. Uh, Brett, where were you at on this man? Yeah, she was bound to be found out. Uh, (laughs) And I can't blame the crew for, disbanding after uh after all that um they they all got screwed over pretty bad by what she did and for somebody who doesn't deserve the time of day from harley and it's just a real slap in the face to them so you can't blame them um yeah man this is like i was saying you know this is just one of those instances where you, you know that Harley really messed up bad, and now all those chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, Kendra? I fully agreed. I mean, before she even gets there, and we have the lovely Tawny show going on in the background showing, you know, oh, what Tawny. has happened. Yeah, and I, I mean, this this almost feels like a moment where Kelly would be like, well, but how did they even get the footage? Because there was Joker and Harley yep. and then Batman. But where where did they get this footage? And this would be a moment where I would almost, you know, posture that that Joker was like, here, Tawny, let's start some more chaos. Here's the video footage. But King Shark does this this lovely (laughs) monologue high on morphine about how, 
you know, the, the, the wolf that, the fish that cried at Orca and how, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> how, you know, there's only so many times that, that they're going to listen to, well, that's not what happened. And, you know, it, it always streams back to Joker, which is ultimately where he gets his best revenge. Because now not only has Legion of Doom succeeded in, in creating this wedge, but Joker has just, like, infected that wound. And like Brad said, we see the crew being like, you know what, okay, well, I'm done. Like, you know, you a crew is something where you're supposed to be there for each other, and you weren't there. Like, we put our faith in you, and you got rid of that trust. So we have Clayface and Dr. Psycho that leave. And unfortunately, poor King Shark can't because he's got a catheter in. And so he, he lets her know that if he could, he would. <laughs> but he can't until he can pee on his own. But, I mean, I think that the big pull away for this whole thing for me was was Ivy and Harley. Like, Ivy looks at her and she's very serious. And she, you know, she's like, I don't want your help because I can't trust you. You know, like, we were supposed to do this together, and you have just blown that trust away. So I'm going on my own. And, I mean, that's kind of that first and final nail in the coffin for, for Harley and her crew. Because how do you come back from such a heavy, heavy betrayal on top of Harley already being sad? Steve, what struck you this scene? Oh, all of the above and more. The way that... Harley I mean the, the way that she goes full circle from episode one to here where she's desperate to break away from the Joker and make it on her own and get her own crew she does all that she succeeds and then ends up right back where she started and it is heartbreaking because I'm sure that there's also been points in, in all of our lives where we've lost a friendship and be it because of something stupid we've done or a betrayal they've placed and more often than not the, the latter but it's still heartbreaking to see because we genuinely know that all of these guys are family they 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 were there for harley they, they're her comedy relief granted but each and every one of them believed in her enough to be part of her crew uh, even some of them who were full-on Legion members in a past life, even though they had a filthy vocabulary. And it's just heartbreaking because you both want them to say, no, 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 listen, give her another chance. It wasn't her fault. But you also think that, well, Harley, you know, you've done this. Make your bed and lie in it. You, you have been the girl that's cried wolf, not the fish that cried orca. It's actually a fish instead of a boy, but it is actually a wolf, but it can <laughs> swim. <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant absolutely fantastic tv what did you make of it Seth? i mean so many great things i mean i love the fact that the impassioned um you know monologue from uh clayface is actually in preparation for a margarine commercial which is regional so that's big um or substitute butter i, I can't remember but <laughs> you know just the, the, the fact that in all of these moments, these characters never break character. Like, <laughs> Clayface is sitting there next to his buddy King Shark, who's currently missing a fin. And his response is to break out into a dramatic 
speech monologue that turns out to be for an audition he's preparing for later. Like, he's still an actor. Um, <laughs> and then everyone, as they come into this scene, whether it's Ivy, like, oh, my God, his heartbeat, he's having, you know, cardiac arrest. And he's like, actually, that's a normal shark beat. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Thanks for concern. And the morphine is really kicking in. And that's why he, you know, is feeling so great, except for the catheter, which would be the reason he would leave. Um, also, though, the, the fact that everyone is done with Harley, like they've they've all reached that moment. As Steve has pointed out, um, you know, Kendra, Brad, we've all said that that this is that moment where we've come full circle she should have learned enough by now. Instead, she's right back where she was before. And that burn, the Tawny video, like what a typical Joker move. Like one, get you to fall all the way for what I need you to fall for, burn you, but then reveal evidence that makes it seem like you and I are still together. So not only did I hurt you personally and emotionally, but I've also ruined your reputation, screwed you over with your friends, fucked up anything you had good going on in your life. And now she's hearing it to the point where Psycho is like, yeah, well, a Japanese chef was here and he offered a lot of money and you weren't here to stop me from even considering it. Like (laughs) everyone's had it up to here. I mean, whether it's Ivy, like, dude, I, I've been trying to keep you away from that ass clown, which is now one of my favorite nicknames now for the Joker, like, ass clown. Like, it's <laughs> it's just, right? It's just so perfect. It fits. But, <laughs> right? And, and at the same time, for all of that great dialogue, there's that moment where everyone sees Antani, Joker, Harley smooching in the chopper. They pause it. Harley walks in, tries her best to sell this, that, and the other. And then she turns around, sees the screen. And that look between her and Ivy, just like the emotions from the scene from before, the way this artistic team makes us feel that tension, that loss. And what we're left with is the breakup of the team, Harley left all alone. And really frustrating, you know, is the fact that for all the humor that the boy who cried Orca brought to that moment and and the catheter and – all of it. What we're left with is everyone leaving and Ivy saying, you know, I need people I can count on, which is probably the harshest thing a friend or any person in your life can say to you. Like, and that doesn't include you is the implied or inferred second half of that statement. And what we're left with is Ivy decides she's going to go ahead with her plan on her own. And uh, man, we get quite a cliffhanger. So uh, wrapping this up, you know, Ivy burned, frustrated position. I think we've all been in or caused others to be in or both. And uh, now she's about to go off and probably do something that's not the brightest move, maybe even a little bit stupid, but she's mad. So wrapping this up, you know, one cliffhanger two Ivy three, whatever else you want to toss in, Brad, where are you at, Jim? Yeah, this was kind of like the, the final, like, gut punch of Harley screwing everybody over by having this heist go completely wrong for Ivy. It's just another one of those knife twists. Like, man, Harley, you really messed up this time. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I think that this moment with Ivy, Ivy's heist going wrong really, like, exemplifies how the Legion of Doom is the Legion of Doom. Because we don't, at this point, know who is behind Ivy's hit going wrong. But 
the fact is, is that it's, it's been planned. And I mean, that's just, it's, 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 it's amazing. And it's mind boggling because you have everything set into place and everything goes according to all these, it's like a game of chess. It's, it's, it's checkmate at this point because in the beginning, the Legion has said that all they wanted was Ivy. And here we are. Not only has Harley been heartbroken and betrayed her team and the team is gone, but now Ivy's on her own, goes in with the best of intentions to take down. And in fact, she gets taken down. And it's just, it's, it's a brilliant cliffhanger. It really is. Steve, what about you? Yeah, th- this is one of those times where anyone who watches this show weekly i feel for you because that cliffhanger is evil it's horrible and i'm so glad that i I got to see basically binge watch the entire first season because it dropped all at once on the press site the warner brothers tv press site um because i had to then go ahead and watch the next one straight away because i thought no (laughs) oh man evil what the actual fuck it was horrible but like you say you feel for her but you at the same time don't feel for her because she is the architect of her own demise so but this show's called harley quinn we know she has to bounce back or it's gonna be a damn short series and poison ivy is a huge star in her own right and the backbone of this entire show there has to be a way of getting them back together, but you still get that horrible hole in the pit of your stomach at the end of this episode. Like I said, kicks you right in the fields where you think shit has Harley fucked it up completely. Has she lost the best thing that have happened to her for the sake of the ass clown? And that is the, the, the thing that you have left sitting on your shoulders and stopping you breathing until the next episode at the end of this, ep- at the end of this cliffhanger. And Oh man, painful people watching it weekly i feel your pain uh we're going to get this in a few weeks time in the uk and i'm gonna have to put a disclaimer on on your review for that one kendra ouch what did you make of it sir it was just such a great final like fuck you to everybody who's been on this this mission you know what i mean it was just like so you thought it couldn't get worse well guess what and yes uh you know kendra with that that chess planning the chess playing the the matching of move for move so much of this feels so diabolical so planned so well constructed and it's clearly done by somebody who knows exactly what buttons to push what strings to pull how to manipulate each one of these people involved so that they do exactly what you want them to and then in the end you burn them all i mean you know, the takedown of Ivy, she brings the one plant, which, Frank, that was his big argument way back in the apartment. Like, there's no plants around, man. It's dangerous. So she brings the one plant thinking she's got a shot. The poison knocks it out. She's on the run. And in a matter of seconds, without any help, she's scooped up. And we're left with that feeling that Steve, as you so perfectly described, that, oh, God, I got to wait a week for this. And if you were watching this weekly, that was a that was a long week. Um, <laughs> and it was pretty hard, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was doing it weekly at that point. I was like, I think I binged the first two or three and I caught up to this one. I was like, seriously, I got to wait a fucking week for this shit. Oh God. Okay. So, <laughs> and, and you're left just like, okay, how do they pull this back together? Like, how do you come back from this moment? 
Um, and it doesn't look easy. It looks really bad. Um, and you're left with that, that feeling of everything. Well, I, I love this great book of short stories by this guy named Wells Tower because the title is Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned. And it's just that perfect <laughs> idea that, that for me just made this sound like just right on. So, uh, you know, we're left with this feeling of just heartache, loss, and it feels like the heartache and loss are just complete. Everybody's been ruined. Everybody's been damaged because of it. And now all we could do is wait and hope for what the solution might be next week. You know, left with all that, I'm just going to wrap it around for the, the final question to everybody. You got your choice. You can either pick a favorite quote, either that we've already said or didn't get included, or you can give an alternate title to seat at the table that you might consider naming this episode should you be involved in one of those DC editorial decisions. So you can do one or both, but different title, favorite quote, Brad to you, my friend. You know, I think the title is pretty fitting. I think uh, I, I do like the title of this episode, the way it works. Uh, but my favorite line was, of course, the streets will won with Razzy Zazzy. <laughs> best line. <laughs> Easily the best line. <laughs> Kendra, how about, about you? you? <laughs> Brad took mine. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I mean, Naughty I, I guess if I if, if Brad gets that one, I think my favorite would have to be. Um, let me see. I, it would have to be the Lex Luthor Bane, where the explosions, and, and Lex just <laughs> gets uppity and he's what? We don't have explosions. What the f- is explosion? I, I think that would probably be my favorite part. Steve, what about you? I think I, I have to agree with both of yours because they're, they're the classic but i'm actually going to go with my three main takeaways the biggest lessons learned from this incredible piece of tv first of all don't be the fish that cried orca secondly never eat beef tenderloin with a salad fork and thirdly lastly and most importantly king shark if you want 10 more followers he's your man if you want explosions not so much <laughs> Seth, what did you make of the show, my friend? Well, I really love the fact that, you know, Brad, you brought up a great point with that idea of seat at the table being such a perfect fit. Um, If I was going to pick a title, and they'd probably have to censor it with those cute little curse word things, but it would probably be, and then Harley fucked it up again, or Harley fucks it up again. (laughs) That would probably that would probably be my because there's gonna be that party and it's like ah oh, shit does she and then you're left with that feeling the whole time through like how bad can she fuck it up so that by the end you're like damn yeah Harley fucked it up like all the way fucking through her everybody you name it like Harley fucks it up again um, <laughs> and as far as favorite quote it's really hard to compete with you know the streets will run red with Razzy Zazzy. There's something kind of beautiful about that. Um, I think if I had to put up a contender, it would be Harley's. See, you had came up with the frosting before you baked the cake because there's just something like I feel like if I'm ever in an opportunity and some sort of business thing that I want to be like, yeah, I like that idea, but it feels like you're trying to come at me with the frosting before you baked your cake. You pick it up when I'm putting, you know what I mean? Just sort of like have a little bit of fun with that. Uh, so, yeah, I think if I was going to go with uh, my top two streets where we're on with uh, Razzy Zazzy and, uh, you know, 
you've got the frosting before you bake the cake. Uh, those those would probably be my my two uh, big winners. As far as takeaways, man, um, I can't and won't compete with those three that Steve offered up. And really, I'm simply left with the fact that we've had such a great conversation about such a great show. And, and I love that for all of the swearing, for all the adult theme content, you know, that by the time we're done talking about this episode, it's heartbreaking. You know, by the time people were done watching it, there's tears, there's loss, there's some uncomfortable remembrances of shit we either done or had done to us or both. I mean, you know, it, <laughs> it's sort of that feeling that you recognize why it is that great writers have learned. If you're going to do a great comedy, you got to have a little bit of sadness. If you're going to have a sad movie, you got to have a little comedy. You need that balance in order for the one thing that's supposed to be important to feel so important. And this does a great job because for all the comedy, for all the, the fucking funny stuff, there's some heartbreak at the end of this episode. The only hope we can have is that it leads to more zany and fun. But you know that the serious stuff's going to come back up because this is some serious shit. And uh, man, I mean, betrayal by an ex, uh, loss of friendships over a relationship nobody else believes in. Like, man, there, there's a lot of good themes in this thing. So thank you guys for being with me today to talk about this. Thanks for letting me host. I know I uh, had a lot of fun questions, but man, the answers you guys were given, it was just like, holy shit, how, how can I drop any of these off, man? We're, we're fucking doing this. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's always a great time. Now, what's important to me is the fact that everyone knows who you are, how to find you. So as we wrap this one up, I'm just going to go ahead and start out with Brad. Brad, people might want to follow up with this or anything else you've been saying along the way. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews uh, at DC Comics News, uh, and you can find me on the uh, regular DC Comics News podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. And Kendra, where can I find you? Uh, the good people can find me at on Twitter at Devour All Words. Um, I can be found on Dark Knight News doing reviews for the Harley comics as well as uh, the Harley series. And um, I can also be found on Fantastic Universes, basically writing whatever the hell I want because I'm allowed to read whatever the hell I want. Steve, where can the good people <laughs> find you? Um, apart from on this wonderful show, which is as deep as an ocean of Razzy Zazzy, um, you can also find most of my mad ramblings on Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. And the easiest way to get to those is just to type in Steve J. Ray to the search engine of your choice. And also on Fantastic Universes, where we write about what we love whenever the hell we like. Um, if you want to chat to us about anything, please do contact me on the Twitter at Elstevo, E-L underscore S-T. E-E-V-O, and join us on all the wonderful podcasts that we make on this lovely network. Seth. And I'd like to go ahead and include with that, you're going to want to check out Mr. Steve J. Ray, uh, host of our I Am The Night episode by episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series. When he's talking about great content, that's just one of many and the future Felicky fashions. Um, I've been your host, Seth Singleton, and I am lucky and blessed to be among this amazing group of people. Kendra, you went ahead and had all the good people reach out to you, so I'm going to ask all the bad people. You go ahead and reach out to me. Good people you can too, but I just want to make sure the bad people know they've got an outlet to go to. You can find me on Twitter, which is probably the best platform for uh, – 
conversations of this content. I'm one more singleton out there. You can find me on Instagram as Set the Writer, or if you want something way cuter than I'll ever be, just check out my dogs, Bruno and Fiji. They're adorable. Life's just better when you look at cute dogs being cute, and they'll always be what? cute. <laughs> exactly. And every once in a while, if you're lucky, they'll drop in on one of our conversations, as they have been known to do in the past. Sometimes they just bark from a distance and, you know, dogs, they, they pick their social life. When it comes to reaching out to the rest of us here, like the entire crew, if you want to get a message to the group, well, you can find DC Comics News on every major social media platform, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr or YouTube. All you need is the at symbol in DC Comics News. Make it even simpler. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O, M, I, C, S, capital N, E, W, S. And of course, if you haven't already, please subscribe now to the amazing DC Comics News Podcast Network so you can catch all of our great content. We're on all the major ones, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play, but we're also on some of the smaller ones, maybe even the one you're listening to right now. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you're thinking. And remember that when you do, you'll guarantee that you never miss an episode of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, our weekly DC Comics News podcast, which is the more PG version intended for all audiences, or great new shows that have been coming along the way, like I Am the Night by Mr. Steve J. Ray, or if you want to catch me on the Spinner Rack, where I try and justify my top five picks from DC Comics each and every week. There's so much going on. We don't want you to miss out. Always keep it tuned here to the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And with all of that being said, we only have one more thing for you to remember, and that is to always read more comics. Comics, comics, comics. comics. And like that, we're all done. By the way, if you were naughty and stuck around for this episode, we're not going to get you. But the Joker will. Remember always, if you're talking with others about this, this is an adult-themed show. We want to keep it that way. Don't try and get us in trouble, and don't get yourself in trouble in the process. Until next time, we'll all be trying to stay out of trouble. I promise. Bye now. I won't. Two, one.